and um, they have some pretty good interviews and I want to hear this one in, rego in regard to um, China's stealth control over social justice. He has a couple here. He has that one and then he has one about Mexico DEA narcotics reveal CIA cover-up. I think we all know that the CIA has been involved with covering up their part of what they do, but here we go. And it's buffering. Of course it's buffering. Can this beanie hat protect my head from harmful 4G and 5G cell phone radiation? I don't think so. My EMF meter is going crazy. With the critical social justice view, we have to believe in these invisible systems, things like white supremacy, patriarchy, heteronormativity, and these permeate everything. We're moving away from a world where we were promoting equality of mankind to one now we're promoting racism. I'm quite scared for America at the moment. I'm afraid that what is happening is a genuine attempt at a cultural revolution. You would have voted for Joe Biden. I would, yes. We're on the opposite side of the aisle. My fear is that it could, in its worst case, lead to something that's almost like a civil war. Welcome back to Generally Speaking. I'm your host, General Spalding. Today we have Helen Pluckrose, author uh, with co-author James Lindsay of the wonderful book, Cynical Theories. Helen describes herself as a liberal humanist, so I probably wouldn't do a very good job of explaining that. I would ask you, Helen, to explain what is a liberal humanist? A liberal humanist is somebody who could, um, it, it's not a political side, for example, but it's somebody who believes in um, the freedom of the individual, individual liberty, um, the, the ability of the individual to understand and evaluate ideas. They believe in humanity as a, a shared a shared experience we have a, a common shared humanity we are made up of, of individuals it's a it's a belief in prioritizing the potential of the individual to succeed in our shared society regardless of their race gender sexuality or any other um element of their of their social existence so you believe in the power of the individual, or at least the power of the individual to choose amongst a variety of views. Is that, is that a fair way to describe it? Yes, that I, I very much believe that. That's um, something that is, is highly criticized by the theories that I've been writing about. So, and you describe yourself as, you know, if you were in the U.S., of course you're not in the U.S., you're in East London, but if you were in the U.S., you would be what we would consider on to be on the and you would have voted for uh, um joe biden correct i would i would yes okay so good grief okay now it's buffering i think it's buffering in protest to i can't believe china's blaming the u.s for this whole virus thing 
The interesting thing about this conversation is that I am on the complete other side in terms of I'm not on the right. I'm more of a libertarian, but I supported the the campaign or the uh, the um, candidate President Trump. As so, here we find ourselves having a discussion about this important subject, but you know, on the in terms of what side of the political aisle each of us are on we're on the we're on the opposite side of the aisle and one mm-hmm. of the things as we were talking that you talked about was this idea that there is a lot of essentially alignment between at least in your view i think that's what you were saying on the left and the right in terms of support for liberal ideas and when we say liberal here we're talking about the classical sense of the word in terms of openness, the power of the individual, um, human rights, civil liberties, rule of law. Is mm. that is that a fair statement? Yes, uh, yes, I think so. If you if you consider yourself primarily a libertarian, we're going to have a lot in common um, with beliefs about individual liberty. We, if you consider yourself on the right, we'll probably diverge a bit on economics because I'm not um, very liberal when it comes to <laughs> economics. So, so, but, but yeah, there's a. I think the majority of people, um, both left and right, have respect for that basic concept of, of liberalism, of, of individual liberty, of, of plurality, of, of people being able to have different beliefs to express them and live by them without anybody else stopping them from doing so. So I think on in terms of uh, economics and um, liberalism, I think from my perspective, when I think of um, you know what America stands for, at least in my mind, is economic opportunity, and I define that as access to capital. And then uh, on the on the kind of equality side, it's equal equality under the law. So the fact that you know, regardless of circumstance, the law treats everybody the same. But in terms of economic opportunity, we have the ability to you have the ability to essentially chart your own path. And what what I have found, at least in my studies of you know where the United States is going and where you know in particular my focus has been on China is going, is that there is a convergence um, away from this idea in the in the United States of um, support for equality under the law. Uh, and, and more, which you, I think you describe in cynical theories as kind of a, a triumph of liberalism mm. in the West. So a, a move away from equality under the law, a, a move towards this idea that there are groups that because they have been previously disadvantaged, that we should advantage them. In other words, what you, what you talk about in cynical theories is this move away from all men or all women or all humans are created equal to all humans are not created equal. And in fact, some are more equal to others. Is that, is that a good, in other words, what you say in cynical theories is that in fact, we're moving away from a world where we were promoting equality of mankind 
to one now we're promoting racism. Is that and and that has been uh, and that falls under these ideas of social justice and critical race theory and and all of these things that are meant to up you know when we say the words be uplifting, but in reality what you say in cynical theories is that they're actually corrupting our, our, this idea of equality under the law. Is that, is that a fair characterization? Yeah. Yes, I think it is. Um, because it, when we're looking at, at liberal ideas of equality, these are consistent principles of non-discrimination. But with the um, critical social justice view, we have to believe in these invisible systems of power and privilege that permeate everything. And they're called things like white supremacy, patriarchy, cis-normativity, homo-normativity, uh, sorry, heteronormativity, um, in ableism, fat phobia. And these permeate everything. And they cause us to privilege some groups over others without even realizing that we're doing it. And we need these kind of theorists to make us see the systems and to to shuffle them. So one of your most dominant theorists um, is, of course, Ibram X. Kendi. And he has argued that discrimination um, is acceptable when it evens things up. So if discrimination um, re- results in less racial equality, then it is, ba- it is racist. But if it results in more racial equality, then it is anti-racist. So he um, is very much taking this idea of um, equity on a racial uh, level and this is um, this is is in opposition to, to liberal ideas of um, discrimination. Then you have D'Angelo and she is focused much more on these invisible systems of power and this leads to an inconsistency where we it looks like double standards people will say this is hypocrisy surely uh, what you're saying is is racist if you're assigning all of these terrible con- um, characteristics to, to white people this is racist but that isn't how their system works because they see it as skewed so heavily towards certain groups they want to skew it the other way they want to foreground um, different ideas and they believe that this will result in an equality. Now, James and I don't. Now, James is an American citizen and he did on this um, occasion vote Trump um, reluctantly because, but because he believed that at, in the, the, the state of things at the moment, Trump actually provide, is, is more of a protector of a liberal um, consistency than... Uh, Biden was. I disagreed with him about that. But I, you know, th- so that this is where we are at the moment. We're trying to push back at these ideas that we need to restore balance by treating people differently, um, with the idea that we need to restore balance by treating people the same. So, I mean, that's. I think that's a good point um, that you bring out between yourself and James. The now. But when you think about it, what Kamala Harris and what Joe Biden have said in regards to Black Lives Matter, which essentially adopts many of the things that you talk about in cynical theories, how do you reconcile in your own mind supporting them when you know that they actually support ideas that you repudiate in cynical theories? 
I, um, firstly, there are a lot of other issues as well. So you're basically prioritizing issues. You're saying, okay, I got, I understand that they support these things that I abhor, but there's other things that they, that they promote that I support. So you're saying you have a number of choices in terms of policies. You're going to choose to focus on what you believe to be, um, I would say in the economic realm and and deal with the fact that um, you have challenges with their support for things like Black Lives Matter and um, yeah there's there's, there's two issues there one of them is that the democratic platform is certainly a lot more than um, the elements of it that support critical social justice and I think that on balance it is better for um, American people than the Republican platform but there's also the fact that Biden himself is not a critical social justice advocate he has said some given some worrying lip service to it but he has said that he will be a president for all americans now i was a huge fan of obama and particularly the way in which he criticized um wokeism and the idea that um that, you know, if a black uh, student carrying a book is acting white, he, he was what I would call a liberal humanist. And Biden, as no, his vice president, I think did well. So I do not think Biden is this radical activist. I think Harris has made some alarming comments. I'm um, particularly worried about um, AOC and, and her plan to um, create a list of Trump supporters, which sounds you know uh sort of uh, approaching yeah that's that's, as we were talking before this my my whole um experience has been focused on china and in particular the chinese communist party how they have used control of the narrative to define truth within china and that has been a very um oppressive environment and what you're what you're describing is the beginnings it's at least it seems on its face to be the beginnings of something very similar in the west and and i'm guessing based on the fact that you're from uh the uk that it's not just in the u.s it's also happening in europe and other democracies is that fair yeah that that's absolutely fair i tried to attend a symposium called decolonize stem where I intended to argue that actually saying that science and, and maths and, and um, STEM generally is a white Western male thing is actually a bit sexist and racist. And I was um, uninvited from this symposium because my views would apparently make everybody else unsafe. So, yeah, we have... You're, you're a similar. very threatening person. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm, um, I'm, I'm terrifying, apparently. So... Uh, yeah, that we have the same problem here. It's not as overt, and I think to a certain extent this comes down to a difference in natural, in, in national character. Americans simply are more straightforward and direct. That they'll. T- this is why I look a lot at what the American theorists and activists are saying, because they are explicit. They will. They will come straight to the point. Here in the UK. It's a lot more insidious. You're less likely to be um, called out publicly as as a racist, and um, and our our politicians are less likely to say really radical things. But you're just sort of 
likely to get quietly sidelined, fired, uh, failed. So we have the same problem um, with a different kind of character to it. And, and of course, we have a problem with critical race theory being imposed on um, UK culture, where it, it, it is even less helpful than it is in the US because it, it simply doesn't work. We will hear um, anti-racists uh, use the term BIPOC, you know, which means black, indigenous and people of colour. Now, BIPOC doesn't work in the UK. Indigenous Britons are not people of colour. This isn't something that, that, that makes any sense, but it's being transported wholesale onto our uh, political so culture. So now it's been taken, so a, a term that kind of was developed for the United States is being impressed upon the UK, which has a completely different um, history. Yeah, we, we have our own racial problems. You know, we, we have a, a very recent colonial past in which we exploited uh, about a third of the world. And so, yeah, we have to deal with that. But we don't, most of the people that the UK um, exploited don't actually live here. So we have a different situation to the ongoing racial issues that you have in the US, and I, I think I, I have some sympathy with a lot with some of your theorists, people like Michelle Alexander, for example. It, it is undoubtedly true that Black Americans have not had the opportunity to rise within that capitalist system that that you support until a couple of generations ago. So it isn't really surprising that they haven't um, caught up as a group yet, and it's not, um, I think, unethical to look into and support programs to to help them actually do that. Now, right. I, I agree with that. And, and what I've looked at um, since reading your book and, and really coming to understand, because I think what it did for me is solidify in my mind what was happening in our country in terms of a move away from equality under the law to more of a... You know, basically a racially segregated society where groups are, you know, essentially more, you know, I guess, truthful or, or speak more truth than other groups because they are more entitled. Their ideas are more entitled or more, um, help me out here, they are part of a group that actually you value their truth more than another group's truth. Is that, I mean, that's essentially... Um, one of the, the arguments that you make in cynical theory is that certain groups should be more believed than certain other groups, which is completely counter to equality under the law. But what I have been looking at is, you know, yes, now we have equality under the law, the law and you make that claim with regard to saying liberalism, classic liberalism, has been successful at providing a lot of social justice in our country but what has not been very successful is on the economic side and so what i found in looking at our relationship with china in particular the chinese communist party's ability to utilize the globalized world and the internet connected world to achieve um, advantages for their system over ours had actually, in the United States, led to the de decline in economic opportunity. That, in conjunction with um, the monopolies of the tech companies and other um, 
multinational corporations. There's been a consolidation of economic power, and access to capital frequently now goes to those large corporate systems, or in the case of China, the Chinese Communist Party. And and so what has been going on here in the country, in this country, the last three years, particularly since after the first year of the Trump administration, was this effort to break apart this tie between the Chinese Communist Party, their access to capital, and their ability to use that access to capital to incentivize corporations to do what they want on the social justice side. So, in a sense, the two problems are converging because they are becoming one and the same. As China becomes more a part of the globalized system, and as we, you know, in our um, academic and political systems here, begin to adopt this idea of one narrative, there's only one narrative that is is the right narrative, and all other narratives no longer have an opportunity to be viewed. And then as the tech companies be able, have been able, along with the media companies, to enforce the, this narrative, the, that one narrative, then we're becoming a homogenous international order. In other words, you know, we are we are now becoming much more authoritarian in the West, and that's aligning very nicely with the authoritarianism of um, of the Chinese Communist Party. And and in my mind, the way that you break that, at least is to create economic opportunity for disadvantaged people in the United States. So those traditionally that you mentioned that have only recently had equality under the law but haven't necessarily had economic opportunity, the way that we create a a more perfect union in the United States is to help them have economic opportunity. And what I found in my study is that the reason they didn't have economic opportunity is because access to capital was not available to them. Mm. It was available to large corporations. It was available to the Chinese and the Chinese Communist Party, but it was not available to the small businesses that these disadvantaged groups tended to build. And so they were working, try, striving to you know, access the, the, the benefits of society but even though they had equality under the law, they didn't have economic opportunity. On the other side of the Pacific Ocean, you had the Chinese Communist Party saying, we'll give you economic opportunity, meaning we'll give you access to capital, but you must adopt the narrative that we give you. If you fight that narrative, then we can take away that, um, that economic opportunity. So that's a system they've created. What it appears to me is that we are creating the system that as long as you adopt the narrative, then economic opportunity will be available to you. And the way that China is systematizing this now is that you have a social credit score. And so if you conform to the social norms and the narrative that the party wants you to, you can have access to capital. If you don't, that access will be taken away. And so it's a uh, self-equalizing system. An automated system is truly automated because you know it there's for instance for example there's two cameras for every person in beijing they track everything that you do and that all everything that you do becomes um scored and as your score goes up you have more access to economic opportunity as your score goes down you have less access and so when 
So as I was studying that and I came upon your book, Cynical Theories, I said, wow, you know, if you look at um, uh, American universities, if you look at the American media complex, if you look at American corporations and you realize that they are all adopting these critical race theories or other social justice theories that force you to adopt a narrative. And if you don't, they will withdraw the ability to have economic opportunity you see the beginnings of this alignment into two systems. And then furthermore, when you look at the international order, whether it's the United Nations or, for example, in the United Nations, the, the Human Rights Council within the United Nations, and you realize a lot of these regimes that don't actually believe in human rights have you know, essentially gotten control of the system politically, geopolitically, then now we have this challenge between what your book is saying and what my book is saying about China, we are basically becoming one homogenous system where as long as you agree with the narrative, you're going to have opportunity to the extent that you don't, then it'll be taken away. That's that's where, you know, I think it's such an interesting thing that you've done because you've taken a very esoteric subject and you've, you've made it approachable. But, you know, I think even when in this discussion probably people are going to watch this and they're going to say well I don't understand it's not clear to me and this is part of the problem of of this subject it has become so esoteric in terms of you know explaining these ideas can you let's maybe bring it down a level and say you know explain to the audience why an idea like the earth revolves around the sun is is it could be considered racist it, because because everybody I, I think understands that the earth the newtonian physics exists the earth revolves around the sun i think that's widely accepted in the west yet in this idea of cynical theories it it, it can be the the case like during the you know medieval times where you know the, the church said you know everything revolved around the earth and of course, it took science and, and enlightenment period to actually break that. And a lot of people paid with their lives and were tortured for blasphemy. But can you explain that process? Because I think people don't understand how close we are to this this idea where you're not allowed to to dispute the you know what you think or what you the narrative that you've been given. Okay, so th- there's a couple of things. Um, there and I, I want to get back to, to whether um, corporations are really um, so sucked into this ideology. I, I tend to think that they are not as much as they seem. But before that, yeah, I will certainly um, explain how this this idea works. So so we do know that the the Earth orbits the Sun. We know that this corresponds with reality. So in the postmodern um, view of the world, there, is, there, there are re- regimes of truth, um, is how Foucault called it. There are, are ways we legitimize knowledge and ways that we set that we don't. So we have decided that science is a, is a legitimate form of knowledge. Therefore, we believe phys- physicists when they tell us that the Earth orbits the sun. However, if we lived in a different culture and they legitimized knowledge differently, as you were saying with medieval 
sometimes when um, we're going with um, holy mists or, or you know some from other parts of the world where the, the sun is a, a chariot being driven across the sky by a god that would be true because of the way that culture legitimated knowledge what they say is um, oppressive is for us to say the scientific way of um, deciding what is true correspondence with reality is superior to other ways of deciding which what is true which can be tradition lived experience perception of of certain groups and there's this idea that because the world is believed to be set up to work for straight white men um you assuming you're straight um can see the surface of it um you everything just looks absolutely normal to you now anybody who diverges from that um in a different way can see a bit more so i as a woman will notice sexist things which wouldn't be a um uh, uh, wouldn't be accessible to you. I, I don't actually notice them. But I, I, I wouldn't see it because my own language prevents me from seeing it. Yeah, it, for, the world works for you. So everything just seems to make common sense. But if you were a black trans woman, um, for example, then you would see the world differently because you'd be able to see the, the systems of power and privilege that you can't currently see. So this is what is driving that we need to hear less from straight white men and we need to hear more from marginalized groups because they have another kind of knowledge which is equally valid and of course that that simply isn't true so this is what we argue about as well this is called standpoint epistemology where we believe that people's knowledge is tied to their identity and that's related to their position in power uh, but if you look at the sheer range of um, black intellectual thought on racism, you know, if you were to look at, at, at Angela Davis next to Thomas Sowell, you, you know, this, there is, <laughs> you'd find it difficult to believe that um, there's a racial standpoint that gives people the same experience and the same views. So, so this is a nonsense. But I, I agree that the social justice narratives, it does have too much um, influence. We are seeing it in corporations. We're seeing people withdrawing products with um, apologies. We're seeing Google technicians being fired for pointing out the truth that men and women have different interests on average, but that doesn't tell us anything about any individual. We're seeing this affect corporations, but I don't um, believe that this is because these organizations have um, legitimately bought into these social justice ideas. There is significant concern among um, businesses and, and quite powerful businesses and people are going along with these ideas because they believe, uh, they, quite often they don't understand what they are. It's diverse well, so, training. Yeah, so the, here's a question for you. Um, do you know who LeBron James is? Um, I've heard of him, yeah, but he's no. A basketball yeah, so player. he's a he's a fairly famous basketball, basketball player in yeah. the United States. So LeBron James is very much in the social justice, right? But at the same time, LeBron James refused to essentially call out the Chinese Communist Party for oppressing the people of Hong Kong, and and so there, most people. Mm. 
and I happen to be one of them, that it's that's associated with the amount of money that LeBron James was making from sales of his products in China. And so I agree with you. Probably from the corporation perspective, there are people that adopt these social justice um, ideas. But for the most part, the corporations are actually doing it for more financial reasons, and and which is why I believe that, that globalization in and of itself, unless it's curtailed and prevented from essentially making profiteering only about profiteering, in other words, however you make the money is okay as long as you make the money, when that supports these ideas that and the only reason that you're supporting is because of profiteering. For example, if you support the Chinese Communist Party in the suppression of the Uyghurs and the uh, oppression of the people of Tibet and the oppression of the people of Hong Kong, and yet you claim to support social justice, then in reality you're you're not really being honest because that's not that's not social justice. But it's okay. Because that's China and this is the United States, I think is is part of the problem. This is the cultural relativism problem. Yeah, I I mean, the the whole social justice idea is is rife with with contradictions. We we see it when um, there's a lot of emphasis on um, women's uh, policing, women's uh, dress, uh, expectations of women to dress modestly. And then at the same time, there's a celebration of the hijab or even the burqa. Now, you know, they're not applying the same rules to the same groups because they believe that essentially straight white men have oppressed the rest of the world and that we we cannot um, evaluate um, anybody else. So, so we, we have this real problem where it it doesn't make a lot of of sense. We see a lot of support for Black Lives Matter and um, uh, anti-racist aims and then they try to lump this together with intersectionality and social justice more broadly even though uh, black Americans are more likely to hold socially conservative views because they're more likely to be religious and they're less likely to support the LGBT part of the social justice thing so then we we have this but it's a mess it cannot hold and it cannot work I mean this is something I say to people who fear that this really could go turn into something like a communist um uh, regime. I, I think it's it's too diffuse and contradictory. It's not as though there's this end goal of um, seizing the means of production for the proletariat. There isn't. But, but a you do agree we have to fight it. Oh, I, I, I think so- that's that's what cynical theories is about. Is your Absolutely. attempt to fight it, which was what my book was about. You know, our relationship with the Chinese Communist Party, but broadly the West relationship with the Chinese Communist Party. What I see happening here in the United States, in particular with this election, and you said that you would support Biden if you were an American citizen. I said I supported Trump. What's happening that I can see, and it's a very clear, I think, microcosm of what we've been talking about. Say, for example, the media has already called the election for Biden. And uh, essentially, that political group believes that Biden is president-elect. Yet, 
we have a number of, uh, of voting inconsistencies, primarily because there was a lot of voting by mail, which has been shown to be fraught with fraud, and there's going to be a number of um, legal challenges to the vote on the basis of there was either dead people counted or there were um, votes from people that don't exist or don't actually live in the state. Whatever the issue is, there is there is a, a, a disagreement on the vote. So how do we reconcile in the United States the fact that we're going to have a group that believes that they won the election and then we may go through a legal process that says no, in reality, uh, somebody else won the election Okay, it's buffering. Brandon Master texts oh, me and everybody bad. around me. Crap. And I especially wear a mask to protect her. Hey, baby. Good to see you got your mask on. Wear a mask and stop the spread. Paid for with Pennsylvania taxpayer dollars. Here we're fighting a narrative. Here we're basically going along with the rule of law. How, how do you think Americans can come together and reconcile this idea because what I see going on right now is the media has completely basically gone over to one side in, in the United States and I don't know what the UK media is like but when we when you talk about a plurality of ideas there is not a plurality of ideas in the American media sphere today it is one sided completely now a lot of that has to do with I think animosity for the president but how do we reconcile that as a nation where you may have a legal process that goes through and determines somebody else's president, but you have this, this, this process of the narrative that is creating this alternative view? How do we reconcile that? Because I think what you have brought in cynical theories is clarity to the problem, but this is becoming acute in our own society right now, like within this election. There's going to be an objective truth with the election. If fraud has taken place, then obviously a rigorous investigation needs to take place. In the worst case scenario, a new um, and more secure voting um, sort of uh, system has to has to happen. There's an objective truth here. This isn't a matter of narratives. I'm I'm somewhat skeptical that the entire media is um going one side because i i think the last time i i looked the most popular news outlet is still fox which... oh but you, you don't know what happened recently so fox was the first to call arizona so all of its viewers are absolutely up in arms because they believe and there's been this slow uh, progression of fox news basically moving more towards the rest of the um, the mess, the rest of the you know MSNBC, CNN, all of the others, and it's really broken just in the last since Fox News was the first to call Arizona before the ballot, all the ballots had been counted. There's a lot of anger and disappointment in that. So yes, I would agree that Fox News was, but just in this election alone, there's been a complete shift. People are abandoning the channel. In fact. Recently, CNN and MSNBC had more viewers than Fox News, which was completely upside down. So um, that that's happening like literally right now, which is why I say it's so acute. Yeah, 
I certainly think there is that dominant narrative problem going on. I, I think there, there are other narratives in the US as well, though. I hear a lot from from conservatives who have their, their own very strong um, narrative, which isn't um, always all that um, healthy or based on evidence and reason either. So I, I, I still believe that the, the way forward is for those of us on the left or the right to focus on liberalism, to try and address the problem on our own side. Now, this is why I have stayed on the left, and that's because I think I have to fight that problem within the left from the left. And I appreciate and respect ethical conservatives who see the problem on the right. So I um, am in favour of quite a lot of the, the never-Trumpers who saw him as um, what I, I think has, has been accurately described as a postmodern president. He's um, a very similar kind of problem um, epistemologically when, when it comes to health, to, to knowledge and narratives that we're seeing on the postmodern left. My, my hope, and I might be idealistic here, is that uh, liberal and evidence-based leftists can push out the social justice and liberal and evidence-based um, rightists can push out the populists and, and the grown-ups can, can talk and we can have two parties again who aren't based on um, extreme narratives and trying to win a war of them. Now, if you're asking me how to achieve that and how to achieve it in America, I'm not going to be um, I'm not going to be a miracle worker here. I have some plans for the UK. I think we are not quite where you are. I think we can pull back. I'm I'm quite scared for America at, at the moment. I'm I'm afraid that that what is happening is a genuine attempt at a cultural revolution. And my fear is that it, it could, in its worst case, lead to something that's almost like a civil war. So I don't know how um, you, uh, you can avoid that. I do think that you need ethical um, leftists in there to, to really hold Biden to his promise to be the president for all Americans and to try and push that social justice out of the left. And to focus on objective truth. So I have to push back on you just a little bit because mm -hmm. President Trump did ban critical race theory in the federal government. So mm -hmm. he basically, I'm sure he didn't read cynical theories. I don't mm -hmm. think he's that, that type of president. But he does get the idea that this is actually not good for America, and so he banded with the federal government. So it, it could be the case that Biden comes back in, if he is elected, and there is no, and the legal challenge isn't successful, he could come back and reinstate critical race theory in the federal government. And I think you would say, yeah. that's a bad idea. So It is. So We've been discussing this. I'm so so I'm, I'm in communication with a lot of people who are seeing the same problems on both sides of the Atlantic. Now, when President Trump banned um, critical race theory, I said that that was a good decision. I supported his decision to do that for the same reason that I would have if federal employees were being trained in Christianity or something. It's a belief system. It's not like, it's, it's like data religion, protection. Right? It's, it's literally yeah. like a religion. Because it's not yeah, objective so, truth, it is, it is a narrative that is irrefutable. Yeah, so that, that shouldn't be, nobody should be forced to affirm that. So 
I was, while I was a little bit concerned about his language of um, teaching children to, to love America with all their hearts and souls, and I'm wondering how they would do that and at the same time cover slavery and um, other problems, um, I, I do think that decision was a good one of his, and I do think Biden is likely to reverse it. This, however, has made some... Um, uh, legal thinkers that I'm talking to on, on your side of the pond think that this gives us a, a new advantage because a lot of what Trump actually um, banned is already illegal. So it could be um, actually a better, better strategically for people to be able to bring law cases against corporations if right, corporations are in favor. Right, it is biased. Yeah, yeah. It is going against what would be under the law. And I think you know, to, 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 to go to the love of America, I think the idea, and, and I'm not President Trump, so I don't know for sure, but at least in my mind, respect for the Constitution as, a, as the, the abiding law of the country, that all uh, men and, and women, basically people, are created equal, and that they, you know, have, should have the opportunity to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I think that's what he's getting at, but again... Who knows? I, I think, uh, you know, some a very positive narrative of America, I, I think it, it certainly already exists. Um, because if, if you look at the, a lot of the social justice people will want us only to look at slavery and Jim Crow, which were undeniably horrific. But the progress that has been made since these that that time I, I think is a very positive story of um, American pursuit for life liberty and happiness so yeah I think that certainly things um, good can come from from that but I think when there's a, a genuine risk and I don't deny it that um, we have less protection against critical social justice ideas now that there's a democratic um, president should that um, uh, come to come to be and we're going to have to redouble our efforts to push back at that and I, I think we're in a better position to actually do that from the left while they, that, that party is in power to try to restore a liberal a much more sort of liberal and, um, and support for freedom of, of belief and speech. This is something that isn't the, the kind of training that we're seeing, critical race theory now, it, it simply, it, it will try to force people to affirm beliefs in things they don't believe in, which is clearly unconstitutional and against the, your First Amendment. So there are a number of ways to get at this, and I assure you there are a lot of people and a lot of Americans who are very, very intelligent and very, very organised, and we're... Um, we're all talking together about how to, to try to do this. <laughs> well, I, I, for one, support you and will support that effort. In any way I can be helpful, I would like to. And I really appreciate you coming on, generally speaking. It's been a joy to talk to you. I'd like to talk to you again. And I think that you what you are doing is so important to preserving our way of life in, in, in the free world, not just in the United States, but everywhere. Mm -hmm. Because it is really about educating people about what has been going on within our, particularly our humanities, um, and this activist applied postmodernism, which is really, I think, you would agree, destroying the fabric of civil society in in the free world. So 
I, I applaud you. I really enjoyed talking to you. I respect you, and, and thank you so much for coming on, generally speaking. Yeah, it, it's been good to talk to you. Thanks for having me on. Okay. Um, wow. Oh, talk about diametrically opposed. But, you know, he, he is the type of person that... Um, he has the right temperament to talk to people about this sort of thing without it getting out of control. Uh, a lot of times um, when opposing issues are spoke about, it, you know, it becomes heated and then it becomes irate and then you can't understand one or the other and then it falls apart and it becomes a big debacle and nothing ever gets done. But, you know, if you have somebody like him speaking to somebody who agrees to disagree and is okay with it, I think that that is the way that it should be handled for sure. Um, I have... Um, I'm not sure. Let me see. Should I put this on here? How long was that? I just want to see if I can add this on there. Probably not. Uh, no. Okay. Let me update everything. And then I wanted to do Jeff Bezos. Do you know who Jeff Bezos is? He's the president of Amazon. And I think it's going to be interesting because, um, well, actually, there's three, well, how am I going to say it? Okay, I haven't got anything prepared, so I'm just going to sound like I'm blabbing. All right, so I'll see you in a sec. Bye-bye.